0: and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. My name is Delton, I'll be your host today, and with me as usual is my lovely wife and yellow player, Haley. Howdy. This is episode number 135 of the Malthouse Games Podcast. Uh, We're a podcast all about board games, card games, tabletop games, role-playing games, things of that sort, and beer most of the time.
1: And why are we having an extra special beer today, Pooh?
0: We are having an extra uh, extra special beer today because we've officially had the podcast for 5 years now.
1: 5 years. We
0: launched our first two or four episodes.
1: Four, we dropped four at once.
0: We launched our first four episodes on January 1st of 2018. So 19, 20, 21, 22 and 23. This is five years of the Molotov Games podcast, five years, and we've only ever been late a single time, and it was still the same release day. So that is an accomplishment uh, that we can definitely pat ourselves on the back for because uh, that is consistency.
1: We have been recording this podcast for more than half of our marriage, and speaking of that, do you know the saying that you can always tell how long a couple's been married by how much they look like each other?
0: Because we're both in plaid?
1: We, we definitely look like we've been together for about a decade.
0: Uh, we're also just used to each other's mannerisms to the point of like <laughs> a disgusting just amount.
1: In the words of Jack White, I'm slowly turning into you, except you stole my idea to look sweet in a little uh shirt over your shirt
0: oh a a A button-down plaid over over your shirt over the t-shirt yes words Uh, well i was trying to class it up a little because i'm always in a pajama shirt Uh, uh spoiler alert this is a pajama shirt under my plaid so i'm all every time we record i'm in my comfies i just that's how i live in the house i'm in comfortable clothes and i don't like changing that but it looks more presentable
1: and i am in my cotton bowl motel shirt So this shirt company is BTB's shirt company out of Elk City, America. There's also records there in shoes, and the store has been there since I was a kid. It's the same shoe store that I used to get paid to uh, watch the store on the owner's lunch break and he'd pay me in socks but he started to make t-shirts and I'm not sure if they are licensed or not because like Led Zeppelin and Johnny Cash shirts and all that fun stuff but he also has t-shirts of obscure Route 66 memorabilia and this is the Cotton Bow Motel which is off of Route 66 has been closed since probably 1995 but it was across the street from my great-grandma's and my sister found this at BTB's and I had to get it And so if you're in Elk City, America, stop by BTB's Records, get you a shirt, get you a Led Zeppelin shirt that's probably not licensed, but super cheap and super soft.
0: That's true. Their shirts are are super soft and comfortable. Uh, I even have a couple of them, and I like them a lot. They make good stuff.
1: And if you want some obscure Route 66 references, you'll sure to find them there, too.
0: Also a good record selection, like a legitimate, good, and affordable record selection.
1: And so... Speaking of things that we totally diverted from, <laughs> <here>. already we <laughs> were rare. off track.
0: So yes, this is a special episode for us because this is officially our five-year anniversary uh, episode, which is crazy because we broke the hundred-episode milestone. Which again, if you are new to the podcast, uh, we are a bi-weekly podcast, so we only put out an episode every two weeks. I don't know that I could handle the ba- or have the bandwidth or handle what it takes to put out a weekly episode of a podcast on top of everything else in life and the fact that I want to do so many goofy things. So every two weeks works for us. It's easy to manage. It's easy to handle. Um, I say that. Sometimes we push it. However, it's uh, it's how we make it work. It makes it nice and easy. So uh, after doing five years and 100 episodes and doing, we have a, you know, uh, a Patreon, which I will go ahead and plug. If you want to follow us at patreon.com slash Malthouse Games and support us and become a patron, you could be like our other awesome patrons, which will pop up here on the screen. And why here on the screen, you're thinking, this is a podcast. What are you talking about? Well, currently, our patrons are the only ones who get access to the video version of the podcast.
1: The only ones who can see our sweet matching outfits.
0: Yes, yeah, so that's our current setup for that. Uh, that may be changing in the future to be continued on that decision making. Uh, however, we also have some awesome patrons in the names of Alan, Jennifer, and Cliff that support us at a level in which they get shouted out on the podcast. Uh, I need to do some Twitter shout-outs coming up this week. Uh, I realized that I have missed a certain tier level that was supposed to be getting Twitter shout-outs, and I completely did not realize that at all. So we're going to make up for it starting in the new year, and I'm going to find me a method that I can better track these results for our people that support us on Patreon. But anyway, five years, special beer. The Beer Today... Is a Sierra Nevada, Nevada, Sierra Nevada Bigfoot barley wine style ale. Now, we have had Sierra Nevada's Bigfoot on the podcast in the past, but here's the thing the date of this one, this is a 2013. This beer is officially a 10 year old Bigfoot ale. Uh, Bigfoot used to be a seasonal release around the fall and winter season. A barley wine style beer is a very high alcohol content. So this is a 12 ounce glass of beer. It is 9.6% alcohol by volume. It says Bigfoot is a beast of a beer brimming with flavor from massive amounts of roasted malt and spicy hops brewed in the barley wine style with a rich bittersweet body and a whole cone Pacific Northwest hop. I honestly couldn't tell you what the barley wine style is, but this is special. Haley bought these beers. Was this when you graduated undergraduate?
1: When I graduated from undergraduate, I bought a case of 2014, and I was going to drink them uh, whenever I actually graduated from graduate school, and we ended up doing that. We drank two of them the night I graduated from graduate school. This is pre-COVID. We passed the bottle around the table, and all of my friends and professors drank from it, and then... When we moved into the house, uh, this house back in 2014, I found this at the liquor store right by our house. It was in 2013. And so I snagged up a couple of those I think the last two, four packs they had and let them age. And this is the last one. But we were trying to decide what to drink this episode. And, you know, I went through the refrigerator and I said, hey, you know, I have I have this. It's It's been aging for 10 years now. And why not go ahead and pop it open? It's our five year anniversary, 10 year old beer. Let's have a sip.
0: Exactly. It's a beer that we love Very sweet, very malty. Uh, The glasses that I got for us both, these were a special glass a couple years ago for like, what was it, like Beer Day?
1: It was uh, last year,
0: 2021. 2021's, what was it? Was it their thing where they had all those beers
1: it's a craft beer festival so it's oklahoma That's right. uh, craft beer association and every year a bunch of the local breweries get together and they put out this glass and so you get this glass if you buy one of their beers on the special well, beer day it's
0: a glass this was the one for that year they do a different one every year
1: yes different one yeah. every year but they come together they collaborate they get artists and they design this one so all the breweries that partake uh, have the same glass Unfortunately, I had COVID this year, so I was not able to go out and get my glass, but I will still cherish this one from this year or this last year.
0: Yes, but as you can see, Bigfoot barley wine, you can't really see through it at all. It's got some haze to it, but it's like a nice amber color. Let's
1: it looks great. delicious.
0: You guys smell it. I know. No, oh, it's. <laughs> oh. it smells so sweet, and you get a smell of that alcohol in it. Woo! Oh. Just You can smell it.
1: That tastes like plums it it does
0: it has like that plum that uh it, i don't know what it is it, it's got it's that it's like a
1: heavy sweet like almost brown sugar yes, sweet yes yes
0: heavy sweet that's a good way like a molassesy it's sweet a molassesy
1: sweet and th- whenever we first bought these beers they were very high in alcohol like they are but they were very stern beers like you took a drink and you're like oh it makes the the hair on your arm stand up it, is, it was very strong. Now it's very sweet, very smooth, and this is our last one. I'm probably going to cherish it. We're only having one beer this episode because this is like a 13% alcohol by volume it's beer. It's 9. 9.6. 9.6. But also, this is the last one. I'm going to cherish it.
0: Yes. Special beer.
1: <laughs> Special beer.
0: But yes, it, it is, like you said, it's a heavy sweet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a lot different, but oh, it's so balanced. If if you have any beer, and I'm going to say probably 5 to 6 more likely 6% and up, you can age it. You can let it sit in a dark closet, in a cool environment, preferably in the dark, for several years, and then drink it. And the longer, the stronger beers, especially, the longer you let them sit and age like that, the more that the flavors round out. The really like high bitterness tones down. The sweetness doesn't become as apparent. It mellows out as well. It just everything benefits in a big beer from aging. And so, highly, highly recommend aging, especially if you can find a bigfoot. And, you know, just enjoy it and uh, save one for a couple years down the road and it will be a better beer. But it's a delicious beer. And I'm glad we get to have a special beer for our special five year.
1: You're my special five year. Mm.
0: I like it. So good.
1: So before we move on, I kind of feel like I need to paraphrase the last uh, 15 minutes of our episode. Yeah. So we're the Malt House Games podcast. Today we have a special beer. We've been aging it for 10 years. We've also been together for 10 years. Why do we have a 10-year-old beer today? Because it's our five-year anniversary. The longer that you stay together, the better you are. We're better as a couple because we're matching and we look adorable today. Not only are we matching in our shirts, we're matching in our glasses to celebrate our five years with this great beers, and let's get started with the podcast. Woo! Did I get it right? I guess so. Is that what we did? Is <laughs> I that think, what we talked about? I think so. Yeah. I feel like I need to tie everything together.
0: That's just fine. Uh, I, heck, I say we just move into the game and get moving forward. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's it's a game. All right, so the game for this episode is going to be one I bought Haley for Christmas. Sorry, Haley. I'm trying to find a spot for this. It is Cubitos from AEG or Alderac Entertainment Group. Cubitos is designed by John D. Clare. It is got graphic design by Phil Glovcheski and Matt Paquette Co. Art is by Banu Andaru. Felicia Kano, Jackie Davis, Callie Fitzgerald, and Ryan Iller. Art direction by Josh Wood. Now, if you recognize the name Josh Wood, Josh Wood's also the guy behind Cat Lady. Oh, is he really? Yep, that's the same guy. Because AEG produces, they work a lot as a team. But this is by John D. Claire and if I'm correct in thinking so, John D. Claire is the person behind Mystic Veil, Custom Heroes, Edge of Darkness, the games that have the like card-building system. I believe that is the same John D. Clare. But yes, I got Haley Cubitos for Christmas. Cubitos was a game that I've been wanting to try and I thought Haley would really like because it gets a lot of comparisons to Quacks of Quedlinburg, which if you listen to the podcast, we love Quacks of Quedlinburg. So I bought it for Haley because AEG had what I consider the best sale of all the Black Friday and Christmas sales and board game companies. They had a couple games go on super sale, which Cubitos did. Uh, it went on super sale, and I think I got it for like $17, $18, which normally the MSRP is 60 and I think you can probably find it online for $35 to $40, and it was just a great deal for a game that I was unsure how Haley or myself would like it because it gets compared to Quacks. It Sometimes we, I thought it might fall in that category of we already have a game that feels like this. Do we need a second? But at that price point with their sale and also just they've been a good company for us in terms of their game qualities and purchasing and things like that, that I figured I'm going to go ahead and just get that from their website, get a couple things and support them as well as be able to try this out for a good price. So Cubitos, with those comparisons to Quacks, Cubitos is a push-your-luck style racing game that uses dice. So it's kind of weird because it's push-your-luck, it's racing, And it's also a, like, dice pool builder. So instead of a deck builder where you're buying different cards, it's a dice builder or a pool builder where you're getting different dice that you're going to be rolling. The way that Cubitos is going to work is on your turn, you start with nine dice. You're going to have seven light grays, which only have a single side that have a coin. And you're going to start with two dark grays, which are going to have one foot and one coin coins are going to be the way you purchase more dice and the feet are the way that you actually move on the racetrack on your turn you're going to essentially do what they call draw your dice you're going to have a draw pool you'll move over until you hit your hand limit of dice they go into your roll your uh, dice pool your rolling zone you're going to roll all the dice everyone does simultaneously uh after you roll any of them that have a hit on any symbol because At most, a dice is going to only have three sides that are going to do anything for you.
1: And a lot of them only have one.
0: A lot of them only have one or two. So you're going to be whiffing a lot in this game. But you'll roll. Any hits will move into your active zone. There's a little board. You roll on the table. You move to your board to your active zone. And those hits can sit there unless it's an ability that's able to be used during the roll phase. You're going to move them there. Once you have three dice in your active zone, then every other re-roll, or I guess I should say every re-roll from that point on, is going to have the chance of busting, which is when you roll and get no hits, nothing on the dice come up usable. That's going to mean you're busting, you're basically losing your entire turn, getting a very small benefit, and that's it. So it's very, very critical that you be careful when pushing, is what they call it, that you don't bust. Uh, But once you do that, everybody, you know, gets done. You have all your active dice ready. You're going to flip this little, you have a little, like, turn. It's like a turn designator, the roll phase or the run phase. You're going to roll, flip it when you're done to the run phase. Once everyone's flipped to the run phase, you're going to do the run. You're going to do any abilities you want. You're going to check for anyone. The red dice is a, uh, the red dice are like a military dice where you compare who has the most hits on red dice during that round. Whoever has the most receives some sort of benefit and then loses one of their red dice. Uh, You resolve that, and then you go through and move everybody using their feet, uh, and then you count up your money. Everybody makes their purchases. Purchases and your active dice go to your discard pile, and then you flip your little tile back to roll phase and keep going from there, and boom, you're off again. Super simple turn structure, very fast. You're going to do that until somebody crosses the finish line, and whoever is the... Whoever is either first across the finish line or if two people do the same turn, whoever's furthest along is going to be the winner. If you're both identical place, you're going to take another turn to see who can get further and continue until there is a winner.
1: And this is one of the few games that I really, really like, despite not having a single god dang idea what the theme is. It is racing, yes, but there's cheese involved, and there is a dog that changes names, and there is a beaver that is a batting beaver. He plays baseball, and the cheese has hosen and runs, and the llama is a hippie, and I have no idea how any of these dice are strung together. I have no idea how any of these characters come into play. I don't even know what my little critter was that designates my little player token. I know he was yellow. I have no idea what this game is really about aside from let's all run together. But it's fun.
0: You have the yellow lion.
1: I have the yellow lion. Oh, okay. I have
0: the sheep, blue's elephant, and red's a monkey.
1: Well, look at that. Yeah.
0: So, yes, so the different dice in this game, there are red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple, brown, white, the light and dark gray, and then the start player dice. So there's a lot of dice in this game. But what this game does so well is your initial dice, as I talked about, light gray has a coin, dark gray has a coin and a foot, and then the start player dice either has two coin two uh, i sh- i guess i need to clarify there are two types of money they both work identically together they can basically be you know sw- flip flopped however but the coins that are circular disappear at the end of the round the coins that are square you can actually hold between turns to save for later
1: it's like a savings account versus a credit line
0: yes the start player dice has two of the round coin two of the square coin and a foot so it is a nice dice to roll. Also, it does not count against your hand limit when rolling, which is very, very cool. Uh, your hand limit starts at nine, so you immediately are rolling nine dice every turn right off the bat, which feels fantastic, except you're going to whiff a lot in the beginning until you buy dice. Uh, but one of the things I like, so Haley talked about the different characters. Yeah, the yellow dice is a cheese with hosen, and the dice only hits on two sides, and both those sides just have a cheese symbol. There's some other ones, like the white dice, the white dice has this like weird cat, and it has three sides that it hits on. One is a cat symbol, and two of them are feet, which means movement.
1: And the symbols change what they do depending on what cards there are. So, just like in Quacks of Quedlinburg, where they're uh, depending on what set you have out, or if you have uh, random cards that you've dealt out, that changes what the dice do. It's the same with this.
0: Exactly. You beat me to basically my point. Uh, the dice. Just like I did in the game. <laughs> the first time. I won the second.
1: By a tiebreaker. I know, that was, really, that was a
0: really good game. I did, I think I cheated a little bit, but I think you also <laughs> cheated a little bit. No. So it's fine. Uh, we just misread a rule or didn't comprehend it at first. I would never. But these dice have these different symbols, feet, coins, whatever, but only the special symbol on the dice actually triggers the ability. And every single one of these colors of dice, except for the grays and the start dice, they have a set of seven cards. Each card is a different ability that you can use for that dice during the game. So just like Quacks of Quedlinburg, all the different colored dice, you're using the same dice every time, but if you change the cards or change which cards go together, you can use the different sets they list in the book, that changes up how the game's going to feel, how it plays, what purpose, what colors of dice you're going to be buying the most of. And it really adds a lot of variability, which is the same variability we like with Quacks of Quedlinburg it's it it, that way you can play a game with one set and play a game again with that set and play a third game with that set and be like man I'm kind of tired of this you could swap one card out and depending on the card and the new ability that could change the entire feel of that set it really could and so I really really like that Uh, something else that the game does that I think is awesome is it comes with these little boxes you assemble I'm going to show in the video I'm going to show this you might have to google it to look it up Or
1: subscribe to our Patreon.
0: Or you can subscribe to our Patreon (laughs) to see this video. Uh, But these boxes, you assemble, right? So on one side, you're going to put it together, and it opens up, and this is where the white dice, I'm holding the white box here, are. During the game, you flip it over, and the top, you fold this little inset. This holds the white dice available for purchasing, and then on the side that you can see, and it's actually on both sides, depending on your table and how it's set up, that it shows you how many faces hit, and exactly what the symbols are. So on this box, it shows six white squares, one has a cat face, and two have feet. That's exactly every single white dice and its probability of what you're rolling. So you constantly know, just by glancing at the table, what each dice does, and being that it's propped up here, you can see exactly how many are available for purchase because these dice are limited in terms of how many there are. Uh in our last game at two players, I think we only had one white dice left or did I buy the last one?
1: I think we only had one left.
0: Like we've never had a dice do that but the white dice uh we just you're going to hit more often than not on it because it's 3 instead of 2.
1: And also with the set that we use, we use the second uh pre-made set. Yeah. And that one really uh would thrive whenever there were combinations and each of the card combinations that were available with that set uh, required a white dice. And so both of us were just trying to get those white dice as much as we could.
0: Yeah. There was a card that said, uh, if it was the military card, whoever had the most of that red dice hit on their turn, the next turn, that person's white and green dice no longer count towards hand limit. So on the, I think the last turn of the game or the turn before last, I can't remember. I legitimately was rolling 15 dice, including the start player dice and just had a giant handful and bra onto the table and just been like, Oh my God, I rolled so good. And then they had, we had another dice in that, that, uh, if you rolled it shield symbol, you could use the shield symbol to then re roll without the penalty of busting for that one re roll. And I, we both had two or three of those. So we would re roll, boom, re roll, boom, re roll, boom, and just get more and more and more hits and have a better and better turn. So, It's definitely one of those games that as it builds up, what you're doing builds up, and it feels like you're doing better, and it feels like you're doing more stuff, but also so is everybody else, which can be difficult to deal with if you're behind, which in the first game we played, I could not keep up with you at all. And I think that's the only thing that is possible with any game like this is, I feel like there could be a runaway leader just by lucky dice rolls.
1: By skill.
0: You rolled the one, so the purple die, the purple only hits on one single side. So terrible chances. Haley hit every time she rolled that stupid thing.
1: Sure did. And it
0: moves you four spaces, which normally two spaces is like really good for a single dice. So it rolls four. It's also the most expensive, but she hit every time. I don't know how, but you dominated me that first game.
1: Destroyed him.
0: It was really bad.
1: In the second game, we were neck and neck. Most of it pulled ahead a little bit, but then it came down to a tiebreaker, and I whiffed in my tiebreaker. I ended up busting.
0: She did, and it was really funny. For whom? (laughs) For me, because I won, so that's good. We're tied. We'll have to have a tiebreaker of of the games, best of three. So, in the book, in terms of these combinations of cards, there are seven built cards with suggestions for the racetrack, which I'll get to. There's also the tour de cube, uh, and there are four, sorry, three, like really specific, um, really specific races and i'm not sure it says for experienced players so i'm guessing it's just more complex cards because there are a couple cards for like four of the dice there's one card for four of the different dice that have a special bonus ability so on those dice you'll notice that uh the cat one doesn't have it but i know the cheese does one one of them has a cheese and another side has a cheese with four dots around it the cheese with four dots around it triggers a stronger effect that also gets the normal effect and there are several of those and those are just more powerful. So there's also some more advanced versions. And so, I mean, what when it, when it comes down to with this game, you're rolling a bunch of dice, which is always pretty fun. Let's be real. It's pretty fun. Turns are fast. So if you bust, you're not just sitting there forever. Even though it still can feel bad, you're getting a benefit because you're getting fans. There's like a little track for fans. The more fans you get, the uh, you end up getting money. You end up getting increased hand size, things like that. So busting isn't always uh, like super penalizing, which is nice. Um, but th- it's just it's a fun game. It's a pretty simple game once you kind of learn what the different cards do that are out during the game. Then it's real easy to just run through and do that. At least for two players, and I've really enjoyed that. I think that the biggest thing to say here about it is as you've kind of got so far. This game just has a ton of variability. It's got seven different cards for each of the colored dice. So that's a bunch of different combos, right? The book comes with seven pre-built and three more pre-built. So 10 total pre-built sets it recommends. You can also just shuffle up, do random, or you could build sets of your own. It also comes with four racetracks, which are four two-sided boards And some of these, it actually says to do multiple laps. And there's one of them, the Grand Finale. It actually has you put two separate racetracks together. And then once you... Yeah, you put two separate racetracks together and go through all the way through one racetrack and then all the way through the next racetrack as one big track. And I'm sure you could set up all four somehow to have a massive race to the end
1: mega track
0: some of the some of the race tracks even the variability happens there one of them you're just getting basic variability some fan flags you're getting taking dice out so you can cull your dice pool you're getting different stuff like that and some money then the next one starts adding in the possibility of shortcuts and adding dice for free and then the next one adds in shortcuts and jetpacks, and they get more and more complex so you can change up just the entirety of how the game plays depending on how you feel, you can make it more or less complex. And I think they just did a really good job with having a ton of variability, which means a ton of replayability uh, and a ton of just opportunity to try new things out. And if you didn't care for the game necessarily one way, maybe you're just not using the right set of cards. Because I think, I mean, that second set was a lot more fun than the first set.
1: I don't know. It was pretty fun to totally destroy you.
0: The first set was just a lot more simple. It was a lot more straightforward. And the second set had little nuances of, Wanting to roll different colors together, and that by itself made it feel more entertaining, more fun. But it also took longer.
1: It did. So the first game took us about thirty minutes. The second game took us about fifty-two, fifty-five, yep. something like that. Something
0: like that. So yeah, but I think that that, aside from you know other small rules, I think that pretty much covers Cubitos. But in terms of for me, I ah, I keep bumping the mic. I really enjoy the game uh, this way. I really really like the game. It's been very fun for the two times we've played it, and we're going to a game day at Brian's for his birthday tomorrow, and we are absolutely taking it to try out. I will destroy everyone. I think you will.
1: Hey, what can I get you?
0: I'd like a topic.
1: Any special way?
0: Make it a top shelf topic.
1: Coming up. Enjoy.
0: So the topic for today, we wanted to talk about builders, and not like Bob. But games that have you building, uh, whether it be pools or if it be cards, decks, if it's, you know, a bag, anything like that. We wanted to just talk about different building games out there like that where you're building up some kind of set or collection of things.
1: I got with Delton because he said he was going to build me a pool for Christmas. I just didn't know it was in a board game. <laughs>
0: there you go. It's perfect. But yes, <laughs> we wanted to talk about these builders because they're something that's very fun and they also presents to me some unique uh decisions within the game space like they, they give you uh interesting things to think about and ways to try to combo and i just find that to be very fun yes so with cubitos uh since it's building dice dice is one of those things where i i either love it or hate it depending on the game and how it's implemented in a racing game uh you know it's fine in terms of if that's all you did was roll the dice and you're racing cool But this one, you're rolling the dice and racing, and even if you don't move very far, that means you're likely getting more money, which means you're buying more dice to then move further or to get more money and try to buy dice to move further. And so it works out pretty well in this one, but Cubitos is one too where you're literally throwing a handful of dice.
1: Yes. And so I think what separates kibutos from like the Ameritrash is, like Dalton said, it's, it's a builder. You're having to cultivate your pool to make it more likely that you draw the things that you want to draw or that you can throw the rolls that you want to throw, much like a uh, actual deck builder.
0: Exactly. And deck builders are another just massive... Uh, of course, we've talked about them before. We love deck builders. But deck builders are one where you're doing the same thing. You're buying different cards to cultivate your deck, make it function the way you want to, and try to do whatever the goal, accomplish whatever the goal is that the game uh, wants you to accomplish or that you need to accomplish to win. And so some of the deck builders that we like a lot, uh, I know we've been a big fan of Fort, and then a really uh, a big fan, of course, of the two-player Star Realms. Star Realms is a great game. And then I'm trying to think of more. I mean, there's Clank and Dominion, Dominion's the classic one. I'm trying to think of other deck builders now. My brain is, like, just farting out on me.
1: We got, like, the DC deck builder and the Hobbit deck builder and all of the licensed deck builders, which are, are good little introductory games to deck builders.
0: Those ones really are, yeah. Uh, you've also got Trains
1: from AEG...
0: Oh, I don't
1: Right there. This is backwards. Oh, God.
0: I know. Ah, I didn't think to flip down. it. Uh, yeah, but There got... we go. We've got Trains. Trains is another one that I think is a lot better than people give it credit for, but I haven't played it in forever, so I don't know. But there's a bunch of deck building games and deck building is just always fun because again, you're cultivating these things, trying to, essentially you're you're taking the game's framework and trying to play the way you want within that. So rather than a game that says, here's how you play, do the best you can. This is, here's how you play, approach it the way you want to. Like It's a very open thing for the most part. And I think that's just builders.
1: because It like like, takes the luck of the draw, but it takes also kind of, I I kind of look at it like skill cultivation. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, technically a lot of us could probably, I don't know, climb a fence. But only some of us have the ability to like do it gracefully. Like you have to kind of cultivate that skill in a way. Or all of us have the ability to cook something, but it, when it comes to, like, French fine dining, it takes a while to cultivate that skill. And that's kind of like what are your deck builders. With a general, like, deck, like Dominion, or with a general dice pool, like in uh, Cubitos, or Cubitos, or however you want to pronounce it. Like, you have that general deck, but then it's up to you to cultivate it to kind of specialize it or to make it run more efficiently or accomplish the goals that you want to accomplish. And so what I like a lot about Cubitos is, like, depending on the... Uh, you know, dice sets that are out there really changes up how you can cultivate your deck. Kind of like Quacks of Quedlinburg too, which is a bag builder.
0: So Quacks is a bag builder, and bag builders, I feel like there's not a lot of them out there, and we have two of them, one of which I couldn't tell you how it plays anymore. It's been so long, and I want to play it again. You will be getting to play another one this weekend, uh, because I told Brian for sure that you've got to play it because I think you'll love it. But uh, Quacks of Quedlinburg is a push-your-luck game where you start with a bag of ingredients and you're going to be placing those ingredients one at a time, pulling them from your bag to put in your pot, trying not to bust by getting too many of the bad chips, the bad pieces, depending on how far you will get, you will get a certain amount of points as well as a certain amount of like purchase power to buy more chips to then modify the way you play to try to get further and further because the further you get, the more points you get. So it's pretty fascinating, but also extremely fun. Highly recommend the Geek Up Bits for that one. Um, they're very expensive. I looked the other day. If you buy the Geek Up Bits for the base set and the Geek Up Bits for the expansion, you're spending $62. Uh, maybe 72 60 or $70. That's like you can buy the like giant box of it and the expansions, I think, for the same price. So it's very pricey, but it is worth it if it's a game you like a lot.
1: That's unreal.
0: Yes, but it's we've gotten enough plays out of it. Absolutely worth buying those chips for sure. But Quacks is a good one. That's a good bag builder. One of the other bag builders, the one you'll get to try this weekend, is Orleone. Now, Orleone is a Reiner Stockhousing game, and I don't know that you've played any of his aside from Altiplano. Both of those are bag builders. Both of those have an element of luck involved, which is why buying those pieces, you're drawing so many from the bag, and you sometimes want to add more of a certain kind to get more specific things. The difference is Altiplano was like a resource-heavy bag builder where you're drawing certain resources to I think you were like filling your storehouses and you could use corn but it like corn didn't get you points or something it's been a long time now since I've played it but this weekend you'll get to play Orleone and Orleone is a fantastic game I it's one of those that like Brian bought it and he bought the geek up bits and we got to play it and I immediately went well now I want it because it's really good and you will like it a lot and like it's going to be one of those games that you're like this is a keeper and Basically, in Orleans, you're buying people. And depending on, you only can have so many people out every turn. Like, so many, I think you can draw or out, one of the two. But you use them for certain uh, certain actions in the game. And so if you don't draw the soldier that you need, you can't do the actions that require a soldier, but you can seed the other people for the next turn. And it just, it works really well. There's a certain way to get rid of uh, the people you don't want anymore and things like that, which brings me to another point one of my favorite things within builders, whether it be deck builder, dice builder, bag builder, I absolutely adore the path to efficiency by getting rid of the weak spots within your deck, bag, pool, right? So when you're playing Cubitos and you roll you roll that orange dice that we had in this turn and it hits and it says, get rid of a dice from your dice pool. You're like, ah, oh, shit, yeah, get out of here, stupid light gray dice that's trash. It feels so good to... To streamline, right? To try to make take your deck and make it better and better and better. And that was one of the best parts of, uh, you don't really get to do that in Quacks, now that I'm thinking about it. Quacks doesn't have a streamline, it just has keep putting things in the bag. But certain deck builders, a lot of them, have that built into them. Dominion has certain things that does it, I know Trains has things that do it, I think Clank has things that do it, I know Star Realms for sure does. But anytime you've got a way that you can trash cards from your deck to then streamline your deck to work more efficiently, there's something about that that's just fun. It's, it's, it's a way for you, again, to cultivate not only the deck or the pool or the bag, but cultivate your experience during playing
1: to modify it to the way you want to play. In sharpening your skills as a French chef, it is throwing out the olive oil that's been in your cabinet since 1992. And in cultivating your skills as a finch jumper, it is emptying your pockets of all the loose change.
0: yes. Have you been thinking about that this whole time? No. <laughs> You're like just- I've been waiting ten minutes for you to shut up so I can say this. Joke. No, because
1: usually I touch your leg and I'm like.
0: That's true. You do. You have. You always put your hand on my leg when it's either stop talking or it's I would like to talk now, please, which is also a nicer way of saying stop talking. <laughs> so either way, it works out.
1: Shut the hell up. It is a shut. It is a shut the hell up. <laughs> it just but, came to me. It was grace. It was bestowed upon me by the heavens. That thought. Well, those, that they, analogy, those, that they, metaphor. They
0: were. Don't hit the mic. They were pretty good. Thanks. I knew you were going to go, <laughs> <laughs> Me, of I can
1: people? feel it coming.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so is there anything else we want to say about builders? I feel like we've just, I feel like I have just yapped on for 10 minutes. I like them. All right. Builders are very fun. They a lot of times have a high replayability due to the fact that different things are going to come out, whether it's the powers on the dice for Cubitos, the powers on the little chips for Quack's, whether it be the different uh, different types of cards that you have out available for purchase in certain deck building games, there's always something to keep the game having a replayability factor to have, you know, anything to keep you going. Oh, I want to try that next time. I want to try that next time. Those builders always have that. The bag builders work a little different differently, but I still think that they just there's something about trying to change your luck. Maybe that's what it comes down to. All of these games focus around i want to try to take my luck and push it to my benefit in the best way
1: yes and that's what it comes down to because at the end of the day there's there is strategy to these games but you're having to rely a lot on luck and you're having to rely a lot on your cultivation and the 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 rules the game technically change a lot too unless you're playing with the same set of cards over and over again which i don't know why you would when there's so many beautiful varieties like you're you're uh, rules are going to change, your expectations are going to change, the way you have to play changes. And so I think that's why I like a lot of these deck builders suits. is that the, the actual rules... So like we were talking about, the, the first set of cards versus the last. The first set of cards, the dice were very individualized. This one gets you money. This one makes you run. The second one, a lot of the powers only worked whenever you combine them together. So if the rules change and the uh, what the powers are change, it makes the replayability really fun, but also makes it more challenging because you can't quite get good at it. and You have to rely on luck and you have to think on your feet and you also have to bite your lip and close your eyes and just hope that you don't whiff
0: exactly because you never want to bust but man having the thrill of a possibility of busting really changes a game like that it really makes you go oh man but do I Ooh, oh Haley look oh man you did okay if you did that good I've, I've got to go again and it makes you have that moment of like I think I need to push this and maybe maybe that's just a push your luck thing in general but I feel like in the building space it's an, it's a more fun thing. Yes, it's w- more fun. It's more fun. Uh, yeah, I think that's really it about builders. I highly recommend every game that we mentioned. Can't remember which ones they were, but any kind of deck builder, bag builder, dice pool builder, anything like that, highly recommend playing. They're usually just a good time, even if they're not, you know, I don't know, even if they're not just the most ridiculously, amazingly, look how complicated and fun, and the beep boop, boop, boop. It's one of those things where it's just, they're fun. So go for it.
1: Delta Builder. Will he whiff it? Delta Builder. Yep, he did. <laughs> Why? Why is that? you're the
0: one who whiffed it the last game we played? Right on the last turn in the tiebreaker.
1: <laughs> the only one that mattered.
0: The only one that truly mattered. Let's move on to the question <laughs> so we can get out of here. And now join us for a malt house games podcast special, my size question.
1: The question of today's episode is: What is your New Year's resolutions? What is your New Year's resolutions, Delton? I don't
0: know why you <laughs> said it that way. The whole time.
1: You're
0: like, so, what is the question your New Year's resolution? Haley. It was just so weird. I was not expecting that. Normally, you introduce normally.
1: What about me is normal? I
0: think we're just both hungry now. <laughs> And we yes. started alcohol. Yes,
1: alcohol. There's pro. It's probably like something in this has you know started to manifest into a hallucinogen of some sort. And no,
0: you've just got problems.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. We're, we're both drinking this. We're losing our words. We're making funny noises. We're we're talking about hopping fences like
0: that. Was you? This is all <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> it's all you the whole way through.
1: Well, so what is your New Year's resolution, Dalton?
0: So. Uh, I say we have talk We 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 talk about our personal ones, and then we have at least one for the podcast, which is, I, I'll figure it out while we're thinking about it. So my personal New Year's resolution this year is I'm going to try to spend more time learning things. So one of the things I got myself for Christmas, because it was on sale and a very, very good price for $19, I bought myself a magnetic Go board because I've always wanted to learn to play Go and I keep looking at the screen instead of the camera. I've always wanted to learn to play Go. You know, the the game with the black and white pebbles uh, originated, I believe, in China forever ago, and it's super popular across like a lot of Asia.
1: 2,500 years ago, according to the documentary I saw yesterday for about 30 seconds that you were watching.
0: Sure. It's at least a while before chess. 1,500 uh,
1: years before chess.
0: There you go. I've always wanted to play Go, and so I was like, I'm just going to buy a board. We're just going to do it. I'm going to learn it. Maybe Haley will enjoy it because... Uh, I just like the aspect that go it's reactionary, but it's also very planning heavy and it's planning heavy in a very different way than chess where chess is very, here's my opening. Here's the counter to that opening. And depending on how they play, they can then modify to here. And the further the game goes, then you start seeing big differences. And of course, go has patterns like that, but go doesn't have the same, like this only has one correct answer for the most part. There are scenarios where there are correct answers, but I've always been intrigued by it. I bought myself a board, and every day so far I've been doing these puzzles that are ways to, they're supposed to essentially help you, they're problems, they're supposed to help you learn Go and learn to be a better player, and so I've been doing that and learning about it and trying to do that every day. Um, I was trying to think, there was something else I was going to start learning about, but anyway, that's my big one for myself, is just to try to learn a little bit During the year, learn something, hopefully every day, spend a little time doing something like that. What's yours?
1: I would like to read 30 books, be able to do 30 consecutive push-ups, and be able to speak at a five-year-old's reading level in Japanese.
0: Should it not be 31 books and 31 push-ups?
1: Because I'm 31, having fun, nearly done?
0: Nearly done, yep. Yep. That's good. I think the the five-year-old level for Japanese might be difficult, but I think you can do it, because you grasp languages really well where I do not.
1: I think... It's a lot of vocab for me. Yeah. As I I understand the sentence structure. So Delton and I have kind of talked about this, like differences in learning languages. But for me, I have to look at a language like a formula. And once I figure out the formula, the words are just kind of fit in. I think that's because, you know, I had to take... I had to take a lot of like three and four thousand level German grammar. And that's kind of how my professor taught it was we're going to look at why sentences and words work together. And that's really helped me in conceptualizing other languages, too, even if they don't share the same sentence structure. And so last year I figured out or I have a pretty good understanding of the basic sentence structure of Japanese. Now I just have to figure out all of the vocabulary to plug into the formula to make things work. And that's
0: one of the things I want to do this year too—is work on Japanese with you. Because when we go to Japan for hopefully for our ten-year anniversary, that's one of the things that will benefit us greatly. I'm expecting you to be way ahead of me, but I can at least be like, "Help! I lost wife!" And like, I can basic, basically get it. It'll be fine.
1: So I'm at I I think a five-year-old reading level. You're thinking like Dora the Explorer. You're thinking like picture books. Like I can ask, "Where are things? Can I have food? I can run." And so I feel like that's at least going to get me through. And if I don't know, if I don't know how to answer someone, I'll just say, I can run and then just run.
0: Yes. (laughs) Well, the good news is majority of Japanese people, from my understanding in Japan, especially within the big cities, speak English. So if there's any kind of issue, you can, if you can both speak at a five-year-old level, you can make some kind of communication happen. Or I can run. (laughs) Or you can run. So that's a good... I think that's a good one. So what what should we do for podcasts? Is there, do we have a specific podcast thing? Because we've started doing these video episodes for Patreon, uh, for all of our Patreon patrons. And so that's the, been the biggest change recently. And uh, they're a little extra time consuming. I probably put in an extra hour to an hour and a half for editing the videos, getting them all done like that. Uh, so what what should be our podcast resolution for the year?
1: So I'm going to take a... Page from Delton's book, and so Delton has said that for him, New Year's resolutions being quantifiable aren't really helpful for him. Yes, I hate it. Like for me, I love quantifiable goals because I, I'm a I'm a therapist. We're gonna use our smart goals. We're gonna have quantifying uh, goals. That way, we know what our progress is and all that jazz. And for Delton, that's not as motivating as as for me. So. What I'm going to say our malt house game goal is just to continue to play more games between episodes because for the last three or four months we've been spending a lot of time playing games between episodes that are just the episode of the podcast.
0: It's been so nice.
1: It's been it's been really fun and for a while there, you know, we we always played at least one game every two weeks to you know have something for the podcast and so that that's something I appreciate about the podcast is it keeps us consistent and you know playing games because that brings us closer together. It's really fun, it aligns with our values. It's cheap and easy because all of our games are at home. But I really enjoyed the last, you know, few months just taking time to play old favorites, or taking time to play something we don't plan to cover on the podcast. Or taking time that Delton lets me try to learn a game and then fail miserably and he learns it anyway. But it's just been really fun to continue to play games between the episodes. And I, I hope that we continue this momentum for the next year to five years because we're going to be with you guys for a long time you're gonna be listening to our voices
0: that's the plan at least but yes i agree playing games between episodes has been nice because like you said coming back to old favorites coming back to old ones we haven't played in so long to see do i want to keep this do i still find this fun do we want to show friends and then also we've got so many damn unplayed games i'm trying to get through still and a bunch of those i do want to do on the podcast we've got uh we've got several in just this past month or two that I'm like, these are great for the podcast. I bought one specifically for the podcast, not knowing if we're going to enjoy the style or not, but it's part of a series and we bought it for the podcast. And then I will reveal that once we actually have it on the episode, because I don't want to speak it now out to you all and then be like, Oh, it's been a year and a half. You haven't played this yet. Cause that just, that can happen, but it is, it's nice to play them. Sometimes it's hard, like you said, but I do think that it's a very good goal. Uh, I do wanna I wanna touch on quickly when you said I don't like quantifiable, yes. I do not like quantifiable goals. So at work, my coworker was asking about uh New Year's resolutions for work, and it was like, oh, error percentage under this number for so many months, this thing here, and the reason I don't like those, and my best example recently is Haley does a thing called Quirtle. Quirtle is basically take Wordle, except it's four words at once, and you have a total of nine tries. So if you guess the first word, if you guess uh snaps then every single one of them will guess snaps and show you of any of the letters for each of the four words it's like four separate games all rolled into one right quartal is pretty fun here's the problem with quartal let's say you get the first word on turn four and you get the second word on turn seven you get the third word that's a pretty bad example you get the first word (laughs) first word on turn four you get the second word on turn uh eight you now can no longer finish by getting all four words within nine. The minute I hit the point where I can't finish it within the the that exact limit, I don't see a reason to keep playing. And it's very frustrating because for me, if I have a quantifiable goal and it's like, oh, I want to put out one video. I've tried to do this in the past. One video every month. We want to do one video review every month. The minute I miss a video review, well, I've already failed it. What's the point in keeping going? And that's just my own problem with that kind of stuff. But I don't like quantifiable things. So generally, I like to do it as... The same thing with being healthier. I want to eat a little better and exercise so I can try to lose weight. Not a specific amount of weight, just weight. Or I want to get more in shape. I want to be healthier, things like that. And so I feel like for me, that's a way that I like to do it. And maybe that's something that would work for you because I feel like a lot of people try to do very quantified things. My coworkers always, I want to hit this goal weight, which yes, I've done that. And I, you know, I have one in mind I would like to be at. I want to read 31 books. You're going to hit that. You always read a ton of books. If I said I'm going to read 30 books and by August I've read 10, I'm going to give up because I can no longer make it. So for me, those are too easy to be frustrated with. Um, so maybe as just a personal little tip there, just try try not quantifying something. Just try using the act therapy method and just saying I want to be healthier. I want to read more and take that approach. I feel like that's just helpful for me and might be helpful for you. Pointers for the new year. Thank you so much for tuning in listening to the Moth House Games podcast. You can always uh, send us an email, contact at malthousegames.com. Do that if you have a game you want us to talk about, a topic you want us to uh, discuss, if you have a question you want us to answer on the show, if you have a beer you think we need to find, then do the same thing. You can also find us on social media at malthousegames, M A L T H A U S Games. You can find Haley at s q u i r r e l y g e k. That is at Squirrely Geek. You can find me personally, even though I never use them, at Delton Brack. D e l t o n b r a c k. I'm trying to think if there's anything else.
1: Nope. Just, if anyone wants to know, smart goals are specific, measurable, attainable, reasonable, and timely. There you go. Smart goals. She did it. I did it.
0: She did it. Uh, yep. Well, thank you so much again for tuning into episode number 135. Hopefully, Cubito sounds like something fun for you. Highly recommend checking it out. Uh, yeah, but we'll be back in two more weeks. So until then, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We'll see you folks later. Bye. Bye.